You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. The True North Eager Beaver Podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Well, hello, kids, and welcome to season two and episode number 18 of the True North Eager Beaver interview project. Today, recording day is Monday, May 9th, 2022, and it has been just a gorgeous day here at the Beaver Lodge, for which I am grateful because I didn't need to wear a jacket. And I think that's been the first time this year. I'm your host, the Eager Beaver, pronouns he, him, hey, Mr. Beaver, eh? And I am just ecstatic that you have joined us here today for this very special discussion. Whether you found us during our cocoon phase on Facebook or are back with us again, or whether you found us through all that has happened since we've joined the Dean Blundell Network, all are welcome. Um, today, we have a very special guest for you. Um, of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast's founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com, who have been with us since the very beginning. We are grateful for their support. Today, we have a very special guest for you. As you know, uh, we're in election season here in Ontario, and we have an interview with a candidate um, for the Liberal Party of Ontario. He is running in the electoral district of Mishkikawak, James Bay. He is an educator, a father, a volunteer firefighter, and a Franco-Ontarien. C'est excellent. <laughs> a proud Franco-Ontarian. Welcome to the Beaver Lodge, Matthew Pronovo. Welcome, bienvenue. Merci. Merci de m'accueillir. Um, ah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, I tripped over my words there. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, uh, <laughs> how are I'm, you? Uh, I'm good. How are you doing? We're doing very well. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on uh, the show with us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Um, uh, as you know, uh, you might know, we uh, on this podcast, we believe that democracy is something you do, uh, and you are doing it. So we uh, always like to give uh, props to people who are rolling up their sleeves and doing the work. And of course, the obvious entry question will always be, you know, what attracted you to politics and what made you decide that now is the time? Most definitely. So uh, I've always been interested um, in politics, uh, involved in the uh, uh, festival, the Fédération de la Jeunesse Franco-Ontarien, mm -hmm. uh, in my high school uh, years, and also uh, as an employee uh, in my uh, university years. So, you know, really promoting French education, French uh, services, really trying to give the next generation uh, a strong voice, because uh, we do need to defend our services. If we don't use them, we don't protect them, they disappear, they get taken away. Uh, we've had a lot of historical battles with the provincial governments, so uh, very important that uh, you know uh, kids of today and kids of the future uh, know that this is important. So that's where I got my start, and then uh, I, I went to university for uh, history and political science. So I've always had a bit of that uh, that bug, mm -hmm. and uh, and then uh, going forward, I started teaching uh, civics uh, at the high school level, 
the hi- civics and the uh, grade 10 history class and did that for a couple of years and really got into it, uh, hosted a student vote at my school and, mm-hmm. and the kids loved it and, and done vault. Uh, I was teaching at a school at the time that had uh, five, uh, five electoral districts in the, uh, in the school area. So we represented them all and, and got involved with that. Uh, and, you know, my kids would, would always tell me every year, Oh, why aren't you running? Like you, you seem to be on top of the policies, you, you know, how government works. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the time I was a little bit comfortable in my, in my teaching position. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I didn't feel like it was the time, but, uh, with the last four years, not being uh, particularly great in education, mm-hmm. uh, and healthcare or really in, any social service provincial uh, jurisdiction. Yeah. Um, I felt that it's, it's time to, to come because, you know, I'm just, I'm just tired. You know, I'm tired of cuts to education and healthcare. Uh, I'm tired of having to fight for French language services, uh, tired of our seniors not being uh, respected or or supported. And uh, I'm tired of not a Northern Ontario knocking its fair share. I mean, uh, we're, we're, it doesn't matter what writing you are in Northern Ontario. We, tend to not be at the forefront of the news. We tend to not uh, uh, get uh, a lot of infrastructure upgrades. So, and, and even more important, I'm just tired of people dying on our highways. Uh, mm-hmm. Our highways mm-hmm. are getting increasingly dangerous. And I feel we need a strong voice. We need someone who is knowledgeable, but someone who is also going to be relentless and uh, trying to get our message through. And uh, I'm hoping that person is me. And I'm, that's what I'm fighting for. I really want to give people in my community a voice uh, at Queen's Park. Mm-hmm. Now, every electoral district in the province obviously is unique in its own way, but yours is particularly unique. Why don't you tell our listeners where you're from and what you're, and tell us about your, your, you know, what you're, the people you want to represent. Right. So I represent the electoral district of Meshkegwak, James Bay. Um, key facts about my writing. Uh, my writing is gigantic. <laughs> my uh, writing is in fact bigger than the entire United Kingdom. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, we're about uh, 255,000 square kilometers. Okay. So a very uh, big riding, uh, a riding that uh, encompasses a large stretch of the Trans-Canada Highway, many communities on there. Mm-hmm. And we also have uh, a lot of First Nations in James Bay area. Mm-hmm. So we, we have a uh, that as well. My writing is uh, 60% Francophone mm-hmm. and uh, 27% Indigenous. So uh um, and also, uh, you know, my writing is sometimes criticized due to its small size. We are, uh, we only have 30,000 people in the writing, mm-hmm. but again, uh, our writing was created to give indigenous Canadians and also Franco-Ontarians, uh, more of a voice because we used to be combined with Timmins. Uh, mm-hmm. Timmins does have a strong French population, but, mm-hmm. uh, a city of 40,000 paired with a bunch of small villages and small towns. Uh, we didn't have much of a voice, so we're, uh, we're making the best of it and we're really making sure that, uh, um, that uh, will be heard in, in that regard. So, yeah, uh, a district that's a little bit, uh, a little bit different than the rest. Uh, unique, but uh, unique in all the best ways. You, you know, you mentioned though. You say thirty thousand constituents in that riding. That's it, it, somebody might. Well, that's not that big. And I'm like, it's bigger than you might think when you consider. You know, it is. It is a, a large part of northern Ontario. Etobicoke, old Dougie's riding, is only fifty six thousand people. So, you know, you juxtapose with, with the, the uh, 
you know, the small villages, as opposed to, say, if, if, if your riding was combined with Timmins, you'd be looking at 70,000, which would be, like you say, you wouldn't have much of a voice compared to Timmins, right? So 30,000 is not a small riding. I do, I, at least I don't think so. I mean, it, it's not Centertown, Ottawa. That's like 120,000. But, you're, you know, your remote villages and towns along, like you said, the Trans-Canada. So... I think 30,000 is, you know, that's still a lot of people to represent, and it would be nice for them to have a very good, strong voice in Queen's Park, like you said, to, to you know, help improve the highway up there because, you know, we have a premier that wants to spend a billion and change on a highway through the green belt that nobody really wants except for all of his developer friends. You don't have to comment on that. This is me attacking him personally because... I have yet to meet anybody who isn't a developer who actually wants that highway, mm. right? So, you know, if you're going to spend a billion dollars on a highway, why don't you do it where people's lives are being lost because the infrastructure is crumbling and it's been ignored for decades, right? Almost definitely. I mean, uh, these highways get greenlighted very quickly, especially when going through a, a conservation area, like, a, yeah. you know, critical wetlands and ecosystem that, uh, you know, if it goes away, cannot be uh, replaced or maintained. And I mean, we're talking about uh, $10 billion here that, uh, I mean, meanwhile, up North, we're, we're begging for, for passing lanes, mm-hmm. you know, and we're not getting, uh, mm. we're not getting what we need. But uh, also my party is also uh, committed to canceling that project. Yes, please. Uh, and uh, investing the money into um, our schools, repairing upgrade. So the infrastructure of Ontario schools, province-wide um, so we feel that that would be a better uh, better investment because i mean the need is there some of our schools are 100 years old over 100 years old mm-hmm. uh, or just completely out out of date or don't have the uh, the required uh, ventilation or um, uh, or technological tools uh, already installed so whatever we can to make our schools uh, safer more comfortable uh, mm-hmm. lots of schools don't have air conditioning i mm-hmm. i work in a school without air conditioning it's uh, it does get a little toasty in the summer and mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes even cold in the winter so uh, and, and it's not unique to my school i've been to a couple of schools with the same problem mm-hmm. and uh during the sort of back to school preparation while covid was at its peak how did things happen up in your area when it comes to increasing ventilation for the students well, we th- we got those uh, those filters. Uh, oh, you did uh, get some. Uh, yeah, we got them a month ago. <laughs> oh, <sighs> so I mean, they were promised they were promised two years ago. But uh, yeah, I think in uh, early April, maybe late March, that uh, we got them. But uh, yeah, so uh, thanks. <sighs> but uh, it's uh, you know, the students don't have to wear masks in our class anymore, and some still do. But I mean, now now we have all the filters in every classroom but uh yeah just yeah, two yeah. years too late unfortunately oh, yeah. you just hurt my they're, brain they're, they're they're hosing down the barn after it's been burnt to the ground right and it's like <laughs> good god man like, oh my 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 <laughs> i'm not surprised <laughs> i'm not you know when you said you got filters i was like wow really oh yeah we just got them right now that makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah we got those uh, portable ventilation uh, units but uh, yeah they, they just arrived uh, at the latest maybe a month month and a half ago but uh, yeah mm-hmm. they're here at least yeah. well uh, yeah yeah uh, <laughs> yeah is there a, because you're a volunteer firefighter and you are up in the north is there anything that has been thought of in the in the platform with regard to that to in, increasing uh, just increasing the capability to be able to to fight forest fires in Ontario or 
Uh, right. Yeah. So um, I'm not in a force fire brigade, but uh, I will say that uh, in terms of force fires, that budget has been cut by the conservatives in the past, uh, limiting their funds or ability to, to be able to, uh, uh, to operate. I mean, uh, up North, up here, forest trees and important industry, mm-hmm. people hunt, people fish, people camp, people really live in the wilderness. So obviously we want to do everything we can to take care of that. Uh, in terms of volunteer firefighters, uh, there's not really anything specific in the policy, but I, I might have a couple ideas myself that I might uh, look to explore in the future. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. keep that close to my chest for now, uh-huh. but just things to make it a little bit easier because uh, I'm not in a position to, to make any promises. Uh, uh, I don't want to make promises I can't keep. But well, uh, Without but, making uh, promises, what would you push for? Um maybe uh, some funding for a bit more of an increased pay because we do get a small pay uh, per fire. It's, it's not very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not in it for the money. I was actually surprised to, to find out uh, there was a bit of a pay, but um, it's just a bit hard to attract people, especially uh, uh, with the price of gas and, you know, uh, and it not being competitive with their wages. So, you know, people aren't going to not work, but there's also the, the sense of duty of feeling like you need to protect your community and do mm-hmm. everything you can, because in our case, we, we only have a, a purely volunteer fire department. So okay. uh, it's really about protecting our homes and serving our community because if right. nobody does it, well, we're, uh, we're all in trouble. Right. So it's, uh, and that's why I got into it. I mean, my, my father was uh, a volunteer firefighter in my hometown of Cochrane for uh, over 35 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I recently got into it uh, in my, my village of Moonbeam and, uh, I love it. It's, uh, it's busy. Uh, like, uh, um, I obviously don't hope for fires. Uh, no, fires no. Are, are, are great, but, uh, when they do happen, I, I'm more than happy to, to help, uh, to sacrifice some sleep and, uh, and then go back to teaching the next day. So that's, uh, that's been what we, uh, been facing this winter. Uh, a lot of, uh, sporadic uh, midnight fires. That's some solid community work, man. Like, wow. Like good dude, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you. We need more people like, th- like you in this world that actually a care about mm-hmm. civics that you teach. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of went a little viral for screaming at people about asking if they knew anything about civics. Um, civics, I think, is needs to be taught. But the fact that I mean, you, you're you're a teacher, uh, you're you're you know a volunteer firefighter, and and now you're you're trying to make the biggest change you can for your community by stepping up and doing. The tough thing, because running in a pol- for any political office mm-hmm. is not easy. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have to sacrifice so much of yourself to do it and your own personal life. It's like, I salute you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm very, I'm very uh, blessed, really, uh, to have a, a very supportive partner. Uh, my, uh, my girlfriend, Ashley, has been fantastic. We do have a 19-month-old uh, child at home. Oh, congratulations. Uh, my, yeah, thank you. Yeah. So my, my daughter's at home, so she's been uh, uh, really picking up a lot of the slack uh, for me because uh, obviously I'm out uh, door knocking and yeah. mm-hmm. out uh, meeting uh, uh, various groups. And uh, so I do have some late nights sometimes, but uh, yeah, if, if I didn't have her support, uh, I, I wouldn't be doing this. This is, this is really because she supports me fully or supports unwavering and and she's also helped out with the campaign so yeah she's fantastic and you know just yeah. a, a late uh, mother's day uh, shout out to uh, to my partner ashley mm-hmm. well it, you'll, you'll have to make sure she hears this then because you just gave her some great praise there brother yeah but this now it really is you know everybody involved right it's a family thing it's never just the candidate mm-hmm. yeah um because your writing is so big um how 
how do you campaign? Are there additional funds from the party to help support you? Because, I mean, the travel cost must be, I mean, just way different than anybody else. I mean, how do you campaign in, in an area like that and what supports do you get? Yeah, most definitely. And it being a new um, riding as well, uh, we're not mm-hmm. as established as some other uh, uh, provincial uh, liberal associations. Okay. So we are getting a bit more help from Central, uh, which is nice and welcome. Uh, and also uh, lots of great people at the party supporting me as well uh, with logistics and uh, not so much for the travel, but more for the best uh, practices for shipping and uh, and best places to order things. Uh, I want to order local as much as possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, most of uh, my campaign swag and uh, and uh, other materials have been local. Um, That's awesome. With the, yeah, with the exception of my signs, really, which is the the one that I, I couldn't uh, I couldn't waver from because uh, that's central, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's it's central. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, for sure, supporting small businesses uh, has been uh, very much my go-to because I mean. Uh, uh, we, we do need to support our, our small businesses going forward from COVID. Uh, they've been neglected a bit. Uh, um, you know, uh, Doug Ford has been favoring big box chains. Yeah, A lot of know. small businesses have been struggling, so I do what I can with that. But uh, yeah, the writing's huge. I mean, uh, obviously, travel is uh, is challenging, so I've, I've been a bit strategic on the, on the, when I go uh, to certain places. Uh, for instance, this weekend I was doing signs, so I did uh, the Eastern Southern Block on Friday, central on saturday and then uh, the western part on uh, on sunday um but uh yeah and there's also the challenge of uh, of james bay uh, i am planning to go to to Moosonee very shortly mm-hmm. uh, i'm hoping to see as many uh people up in james bay as possible but again time constraints and, and money is uh is definitely challenging i'm getting more money from from central but i mean uh, uh, we're talking about thousands of dollars of flights. So we're, yeah. we're definitely unique and different in that regard that I, I can't hop on a bus or, or the go train or, mm-hmm. or uh, take a short drive or, or, Uber, or ride or my, anything. or ride my bike to go campaign. <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, some of these campaign, these communities are, uh, are, are quite far apart. Uh, uh, we're talking about uh, hundreds of kilometers uh, in distance. So it's, mm. uh, it's definitely challenging, but I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's part of the Northern living, right? Uh, I myself mm-hmm. ride on the trans Canada highway every day to go to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, it's part of the territory and at least it's not winter now. So it makes it way easier. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We were talking a little bit earlier about how he had, what did you say? 24 snow days this year? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 24, 25, somewhere in that range. That's I can't remember just, anymore, but, uh, wow, just a ridiculous wow. amount this year. It's, it's been a, um, a uh, very unique winter, a lot more snow, uh, mm-hmm. a lot more uh, cold weather um, mm-hmm. uh, than usual. So we, we've had some of those snow days because of cold and some of them because of uh, of the highways just being too dangerous for uh, school buses to venture out. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, health and education are always, you know, stalwart uh, issues in a, in a campaign, particularly provincial. Um, is there in, anything... I know without asking you to scoop, of course, but a general approach or, you know, what are the, what are the values that are uh, in the, in the campaign or, you know, or that you're promoting with regard to health and education? I mean, there are already some policies, policies that are announced that you can speak to, I'm sure, but with uh, these interviews are always tricky because you can't scoop the party before the announcements are made, but general idea, where are you going? What's the direction? 
Yeah, for sure. I'm uh, I support healthcare workers hundred uh, percent. And that's everyone who works in healthcare uh, in various positions, anyone who, who has really gotten us through the last two weeks. I mean, they're, they're the people that we really should be thanking. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel like we, we left them behind. Uh, I've always felt a bit of a solidarity as a teacher for uh, nurses in particular, because we, we do live a lot of the same uh, uh, issues when it comes with dealing with governments in terms of uh, fair negotiation, uh, collective bargaining, and also in terms of uh, just the way that the government tends to deal with us. Um, but uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Bill 124, like uh, it's on my candidate cards. It's something I've, I've talked about many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't support it. I want it gone. And, uh, and the for party our listeners has to- again, Bill 24. Yeah, so Bill 124 is the um, the bill that uh, limits uh, pay increases to 1%. Mm-hmm. So it really sets us up in, in a poor position, teachers uh, and uh, nurses and really any public sector unions because we're negotiating at a, at a ceiling mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's it, it could be less, it, it could, but 1% is the max that we can get. So we're, we're already negotiating from a, a, a bad position. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I get some people think... Uh, Okay, well, one percent is quite a bit, but uh, inflation no, is much more than one percent. So, one yeah. percent it is a pay cut. I mean, uh, I, I do think as a as an educator, I, I'm I'm well remunerated, but I also don't want to be taking a pay cut every time we have uh, collective bargaining because things are getting more expensive. Inflation mm-hmm. is high. Yeah, uh, gas prices are high. Uh, I mean, I, like I mentioned, I'm on the Trans Canada Highway every day, uh, putting in uh, uh, you know 25 minutes one way, 25 minutes the other. So it's. Uh, yeah, things are getting expensive, and I mean, and I haven't even talked about uh, the cost of living for uh, for homes. Uh, even in Northern Ontario, homes are getting a little bit more expensive. Mm-hmm. Not at all uh, like what you're accustomed to yeah. in the audio area, or, yeah. or even in Toronto or the GTHA as a whole. But uh, uh, we're, we are starting to face the after effects because, uh, uh, fortunately, and uh, unfortunately, uh, fortunately, there's a lot of people from the. Uh, Southern Ontario and Ottawa region who are moving up north uh, post-pandemic or toward, I shouldn't say post-pandemic, but towards the end of the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, just because they're, they're sort of finding that they can work from home. And it's great. We're having a lot of new people, but it's also driving up costs uh, for uh, for current residents. Of and, course. Uh, and it's also putting stress on the uh, the housing supply. So definitely something that we're uh, going to go forward to uh, with. And uh, it is in our platform to, uh, to help uh, increase housing in Northern Ontario. So something we're going for, for sure. Uh, in terms of healthcare also, um, I want to include PSWs. Uh, PSWs mm-hmm. have been... Uh, extremely important and they will continue to be even more important, especially with our baby boomers uh, getting up there in age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of our baby boomers are uh, seniors now or about to be seniors. And uh, so that's why we increased pay, uh, PSW uh, wages, why we want to increase PSW pay to $25 an hour. And uh, we also want to make sure that the, um, get benefits. Uh, so we have a portable benefits program that will be attached to the, worker not to the um employer to the yes. workplace yeah. mm-hmm. so and that would obviously touch uh, for psws because a lot of them uh, are getting hired on on a part-time basis mm-hmm. getting just enough hours so they don't get their benefits having to yeah. work multiple jobs and uh, it's just not right i mean we we need these people they're going to be taking care of our our parents or grandparents or mm-hmm. eventually you know, our us aunts, uh, yeah and eventually us yeah so, I mean, a society that doesn't take care of their seniors really isn't doing things right because, I mean, these people work their whole life. They deserve uh, to grow old in dignity, and, and that's what we want to, with uh, with this. We also have uh, uh, $2 billion invested in home care. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that people can stay in their homes as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're never uh, more better off than you are at your own in your own home, uh, more comfortable. 
Uh, so we want to make sure that, you know, if it's minor things or, or just small support things that we can do whatever we can to keep people in their homes the, the longest. Uh, I mean, long-term care homes are an option, but uh, if you talk to most seniors, they, they dread the day where that becomes an option mm-hmm. and, and they want to avoid it at all costs. And, and we want to, we, we agree. Uh, we agree a hundred percent. I've had that conversation with my parents. My father's 80. He'll be 81 this year. My mother will be 76. And they're like, do not put us in a home. We're like, no, no, we'll, we'll find a way to get a personal support worker to come in. You know, if, if somebody has to move in or something, you know, we're not going to do that to you. And, and my parents, well, they'll be the ones paying for it because they have the money. I don't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm very fortunate. We're very fortunate in that respect. Not everybody has that. And, and uh, like you're just saying, we, we need to take care of our personal support workers, our PSWs, because they are criminally underpaid to begin with. And the fact that, like you just said a moment ago, they have to hold sometimes two or three jobs just to be, make ends meet because they don't get enough hours to actually get their benefit. It's, a, it's like a scam. What do they call them? In the UK, they call What's them zero-hour contracts. Yeah, zero-hour contracts, yeah. You know, and I'd never heard of that before until a friend of mine from Manchester told me, he goes, yeah, zero-hour contracts. You know, you've got no guarantee. I'm like, that's all I've ever known in my entire life. He's like, What? He's like, no, that's not how it's supposed to be. So I'm like, you know, things I learned in, in my late 40s that I had no idea. Because uh, we've always just accepted the system as it is, thinking, you know, it's, you know, it's not terrible, it's good. It's, it turns out, no, it's severely broken. And it's been neglected for decades. And we, we you know, we'll go back to the Mike Harris government when they cut slashed and burned through all social services, privatized long-term care, uh, privatized a lot of health care to certain respects to the detriment of the public system. And we're really paying for it now in the worst way. People are suffering. People are dying. I mean, Doug said he was going to put an iron ring around those long-term care homes. He did, around the shareholders, not the residents. And I've said that time and again, and I'll continue to say it, because you can't sue them. You can't sue the corporations. That's an iron ring around the shareholders, yep. not the residents. So I don't know. I just went on a tangent there. Sometimes I go, I go off in all directions. But what you're saying is, is it's, uh, it's key to building a good society, a good functioning society. We take care of the people who take care of us. Teachers, nurses, personal support workers, firefighters, police officers, soldiers. Let's take care of those people and take care of everybody else. And the idea behind this portable benefits package, groundbreaking groundbreaking mm-hmm. it, it's it's a game changer in this province and if you guys could get elected get in and make that happen man like every worker in this province becomes themselves incorporated you know it's like all of a sudden you you, you you're not suffering anymore you know you're working at the corner donut shop donut and coffee shop and they're only giving you 20 hours a week so they don't have to give you benefits because if you get 40 you're full-time and it was some of the big box uh, retail, lo- I'm not saying the names for obvious reasons, right? <laughs> but one of the big box retail stores that Dougie kept open, well, the, all the mom and pop shops were closing in the, in the shutdown period. Well, they, they avoid paying, uh, avoid giving anybody 40-hour work weeks because then they're full-time. They want everybody to be part-time. It's, you know, it's, it's terribly broken, and it benefits the corporation and the wealthy shareholders, and the rest of us are just taking whatever scraps we can get and it, we just it's not sustainable why isn't that specifically not illegal 
yeah. I mean, the legislators write the laws. Why? Why can you know, if you're hiring X, if your company is hiring X number of people this much overtime, you must create a full time job. Period. Like why with benefits? Like I, that would be an easy law to pass. And yes. All business would like scream, but business screams at anything. You want to give people an extra day off, you scream. You want to raise billion in my wage, 50. I mean, the go-to button is scream, so they're going to scream anyway. So I was like, why isn't people, why aren't people just doing the right thing? Yeah, it seems very simple, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of ideas uh, do seem very simple. Uh, it's just it takes someone that uh, or a party uh, or a group uh, uh, willing to make that leap, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there uh, must be a level of flexibility where people can use some overtime, but after a while, it's like, listen, you obviously need more full-time employees, so like, create some jobs. Right, and, and at the same time, it gives a bit more power to, uh, you know, especially to low-income uh, earners, right? Like, mm-hmm. a lot of them feel they need to keep their job, especially those who do have uh, benefits. Uh, uh, now it'll give them a bit more power to be able to seek better opportunities, better uh, jobs, because they don't feel like they'll lose their benefits. They don't have that fear of, uh, you know, not being able to pay for uh, for things that support their family. Uh, so yeah, for sure, it'll give them a little bit more power. And uh, at the same time, I think it might make uh, the workplace a bit more competitive because uh, the argument often is, oh, well, you know, why don't people just not get minimum wage jobs. Well, <laughs> well people don't have those options, uh, unfortunately. And, and I mean, they, they do have to keep the, the lights on and food yes. on the table and, and they have, and I mean, people who work minimum wage jobs work hard. Uh, they they don't, uh, they're not underpaid because, uh, because they, uh, they don't work hard. There's no such <laughs> thing as unskilled labor. Exactly. Most definitely. If hard work equated to uh, a level of income or, or level of, of payment for your work, I'd be earning high six figures. Teachers would be earning the most along with nurses and doctors. Well, I worked in construction for 29 years. I I used to work 12, 14 hours a day, six, seven days a week. I did that for years. I went one stretch of seven years where I didn't take a vacation for seven years because I couldn't. I was self-employed. I was a contractor. I had to take what I could get. I had no benefits whatsoever. Eventually, I had to throw the towel in and walk away from it because I was, it was too much. But that's another story for a different day. But, you know, the idea behind a, a, a portable benefits package will really provide some upward mobility to a lot of people. Like you say, people will, okay, I got, I got a lousy job at whatever company, and I'm staying here because I have some benefits with them. And their lives are miserable. I, I, don't, I don't think I need to get out the paint and start you know, creating the picture here, we're, we're, we're all preaching to the same choir, but it's like this really, when I first read about this, I went, that is a massive game changer for laborers across the province. I mean, it really, really can change people's lives. And so yeah. you guys bringing that up, man, like... Yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's it's like the uh, when the old age pension was first introduced, radical idea but mm-hmm. i mean it was it was much needed i mean we we're mm-hmm. we're exiting some of the uh the toughest economic times in, in canadian history and i mean uh, we uh, we introduced this idea and i mean now it's it just seems like uh like it's it's always been around but i mean we're we're lucky to have uh lived in a time where we, we where we didn't have uh these struggles mm-hmm. uh you know, social safety net all, all these great policies that that help us in our time of, of most need and, and yeah, i mean uh like I mentioned before with the, with the seniors, I mean, a society that takes care of, of those in need really is a higher society and a society that's, uh, that's prospering. I mean, we, we can't, 
we can't leave people behind or, you know, obviously uh, we can't uh, uh, have a society where we have huge gaps between uh, those who are living well and those who are struggling day to day. And I mean, and uh, yeah, that's, that's really the, uh, but uh, a lot of these old policies uh, you know, that have been around forever uh, seemed like radical ideas at the time, but mm-hmm. it, you know, we just, we just have to take that extra leap. We just have to uh, get in there. And I mean, these aren't, uh, these aren't uh, completely revolutionary, uh, revolutionary ideas. I mean, the, a lot of these things have been done elsewhere. Uh, a lot of uh, other countries have mm-hmm. tested mm-hmm. Uh, similar programs and, and they work. Uh, we, we have the data. We have, uh, you know, we've, uh, we, we don't need to be the, the guinea pigs with this. It's, it's, it's proven to, uh, to help out. So, yeah, whenever you can look at other jurisdictions for inspiration, I'm all for that. Uh, I believe that we can't just get fixed on our province. I often look at what our provinces are doing, what our countries are doing uh, for ideas. And, and mm-hmm. that's the thing I'm going to look to be doing if I am elected as an MPP. Uh, because, I mean, uh, you know, uh, inspiration inspires inspiration, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and now it's time for a break. Well, hello, friends. It's your good buddy, Mr. Grizzly. And, and uh, Mr. Beaver. Mr. Beaver's joining me. And, uh, well, today, we're hoping you can give us a hand, a hand up or a handout or a help up. I don't know. You pick the verbiage that best suits your ideal. Here's the thing. We incur a lot of costs while we're doing this. Uh, I've invested a few thousand dollars on new equipment. And to be honest with you, I have no problem with it. But it'd be nice if we could recoup a little bit of that because, you know, I'm not wealthy. (laughs) Far from it. So (laughs) if you guys and gals and they and them like what we're doing and you want to help us out, it'd be awesome if you could go to our coffee page, toss us a couple of bucks. Mr. Beaver. Yeah. Um, we love doing this. Clearly we have a good time doing it. And uh, yeah. as the show is getting bigger and we're getting more feedback and participation uh, from you kids, uh, it makes our day and it gives us uh, motivation uh, to work harder and uh, come up with uh, great interview guests. We definitely have some lined up. Oh yeah. Uh, normally we keep up a surprise, but should we just give some teasers? Give them the teasers, brother. Yeah, uh, we've been talking to Cindy Blackstock. We're trying to set a date. Uh, we're trying to set a date with uh, Francis Hordelsky, who used to be the chief anchor at uh, the Business News Network, so we can have some uh, talk about economics. Uh, we uh, tried to get uh, uh, polling analysis and political analyst Evan Scrimshaw. Uh, so we're waiting to hear from him as well. Uh, we have uh, Murray Billet, uh, who was uh, was a big activist uh, in terms of the. Uh, gay rights and uh, bringing about uh, the recognition of uh, gays and lesbians in the charter uh, way back in the day. So uh, we have some uh, interesting guests uh, lined up for you and uh, we're going to try to get uh, uh, David uh, Mosscroft back because uh, there's an election coming and well, <laughs> we like <laughs> his views are always interesting. <laughs> well, that and and also the fact that um, he's got some interesting takes on this current situation that he's living through as well, because he doesn't live too far from me. I don't like I know the general vicinity of where he resides, and it, and and he's close to the action that I'm in the middle of. So take it from Mister Grizzly, Blue Jacket guy. We really would like to hear from you. We really would. We really could use a couple of bucks from you. Whatever you can spare, 
I'm not asking for anything big. If you can help us out, that's wonderful. And we appreciate it. And we really appreciate the fact that you listen in and provide commentary. Thanks. Just going to get your quick takes on a couple of other issues, see what you stand on them. Um, harm reduction. Harm reduction. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit more, please? Um, that's, that's, a, that's a very vague. Well, I mean, it could be, for example, let's say harm reduction for injection drug users or for, um, for, for example, uh, transmission of HIV. Um, uh, gambling problems. Things gambling like problems. Uh, uh, sex trade workers. Anything in terms of harm reduction. Yeah, most definitely. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. I just wanted a bit more of a, uh, to narrow that down a bit more, but uh, it's uh, interesting that you mentioned that. Uh, actually, in my, uh, I teach um, a health and wellness class mm-hmm. uh, at uh, my last period of the day, and we were actually uh, uh, studying uh, or looking at uh, videos about uh, um, safe injection sites today. So we were okay. <laughs> talking about wow. that in class, uh, debating uh, the pros and cons and, and really looking at it from a critical perspective. And uh, most definitely, uh, they, they've shown to be beneficial. I mean, uh, anywhere uh, where you, I mean, people who uh, are addicts, uh, you know, come from all walks of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, people get addicted to opioids or other drugs for various reasons uh, uh, either from through prescription medication or other uh, sources that I mean these people need to be supported uh, you know we we, we can't uh, we can't let people just keep dying like uh, we've uh, I believe what was it uh, two year span between 2000 2016, 2018, I think it was, we had like 11,000 opioid deaths in Canada. I mean, yeah, that's so providing these people with, you know, we're not enabling, we're just providing these people with a safe place to make sure that, you know, they, they're, um, they're not taking something that's been laced with, Mm -hmm. you know, with fentanyl or something else that they can't control. Uh, It's being done in a sanitary uh, fashion in a correct fashion to avoid uh, possible uh, infections like HIV that you mentioned. Um, so yeah, most definitely I I'm for it. Um, obviously there's that not in my backyard crowd that don't want these in their neighborhoods, but I mean, uh, that's, that's the same thing with anything that helps uh, the less portion, right? People mm-hmm. are, uh, often do it for uh, you name it, right? I don't want to get too much into details, but of I course, mean, of course, but uh, yeah, most definitely it's always the, uh, uh, an issue uh, in terms of HIV, uh, we are uh, in our platform. We are making uh, HIV medications covered by a uh, uh, covered uh, so uh, to come help that community, especially. You're talking about uh, uh, covered for prep, right? Pardon me for prep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's so a pre-exposure prophylaxis. Mm. Yeah, so we, we, we want to do everything we can to um, to reach communities who are more affected by these. Uh, uh, by, by this infection and, and because, I mean, it's, it's still a real problem in our oh, society. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, the, the eighties, uh, HIV crisis is, is, is far behind us, but it, I mean, we're, we haven't, uh, left the problem. So definitely that's something that we, uh, we, uh, promised and, uh, I'm very happy that we did. And uh, I hope that it's something that, uh, if elected, we'll be able to, to bring in uh, quite uh, quickly because, uh, I mean, we're talking about people's lives here. Mm-hmm. people's uh, quality of life as well so most definitely okay and 
uh, you mentioned sex trade. Um, I haven't heard too much yet on the policy uh, for that. Uh, we released a, a lot of policy today, so yes. I'm still going through all of it. But um, yeah, most definitely anything that makes people safer, uh, mm-hmm. regardless of, of, of what their activity is. I mean, we, uh, we, we have to be caring for our citizens and our constituents. And uh, if I elected, obviously, uh, what's important for me would be serving the people in my community, making sure that uh, we can do whatever we can to reduce uh, various harms, be it uh, drugs, alcohol, uh, violence, domestic violence, mm-hmm. uh, uh, communicable diseases, uh, COVID or uh, other uh, uh, infections or, uh, yeah, or preventable diseases mm-hmm. with, <laughs> that yeah. we can, that we can treat. But yeah, most definitely it, it's something that uh, we are uh, releasing policies related to, uh, to harm reduction. Okay. Uh, how about food security? Food security? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, we did release the um, the um, policy that releases that uh, reduces the HST, uh, removes the provincial part of the HST on prepared foods. Mm-hmm. So uh, previously, it covered uh, basic grocery items like uh, fruits, vegetables, uh, cheese, meat, etc. Uh, we're also going to uh, remove the provincial portion of the HST. To uh, extend, uh, if a family wants a rotisserie chicken from the grocery store, uh, you know they they want to eat out, uh, or they want to have uh, breakfast at their local restaurant. We want to make it easier for Canadians, especially Canadians who are struggling, uh, Ontarians who are struggling, mm-hmm. um, to, to to be able to support local restaurants and to be able to uh, to support these small businesses, but also to be able to uh, to be able to treat themselves from time to time. So uh, just just the policy, I find that's, that that will help a bit more with the mm-hmm. with that with the uh, in terms of cost of food, but also will help uh, small businesses. So it's it's really a win win for in that regard. So that's a policy that I am uh, quite proud that we're, we're introducing. Okay, um, business development in the north. Yeah, most definitely uh, business development. Uh, you know, like we. Uh, We've been hit just like everywhere else in mm-hmm. terms of uh, small businesses struggling. Uh, we have the disadvantage that in many of our communities, we just don't have the population. So uh, something that has been promised is we're um, going to waive incorporation fees for uh, for, for, um, for startups. We're going to mm. also uh, oh, help businesses uh, go digital uh, okay. because if you're a small business in a small uh, community, uh, you need to get digital. You mm-hmm. need to be able to extend your your net. Um, we're also going to cap credit card fees. So once again, uh, uh, something uh, who uh, something is, that's quite difficult for businesses is all these fees, these extra fees, these these charges, etc. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely make uh, all efforts to to try and and help small businesses, but also. Uh, uh, in terms of resource development, uh, Northern Ontario, it's no secret. We're, we're mm-hmm. a very resource-based economy, mm-hmm. uh, tourism as well. But I mean, mining, forestry, uh, I worked in forestry um, as a kid, uh, as, a, as a high school student and a university student. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked five years, uh, five summers uh, in the local plywood mill. Uh, that's how okay. I paid for my university. So uh, I do really industry too. well. Yep. That's really and hard I, work. Yeah. And uh, yeah, my dad worked for the... Uh, for the uh, in forestry, my grandfather, uh, uh, his dad as well. So I mean, like, uh, or my dad's father as well. So I mean, lots of people I know work in forestry. It's, it's the main industry in my writing. Um, Caps Casing being a paper town and Hearst being a uh, mm-hmm. a plywood town. So 
most definitely anything that makes it easier uh, for them to, to get the products to market, uh, for them to be able to operate uh, uh, would, would be most, uh, would, would be something we'd be seeking. And obviously also uh, uh, mining. Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, the ring of fire is in my writing. Uh, the access road through Martin Falls, uh, which, you know, despite Doug Ford's promises has not uh, advanced. Yeah, in any you talked about it for four years, uh, right? And he's done right. nothing. He's, yeah, all he's done is antagonize indigenous mm-hmm. communities in the area, uh, which has delayed the project. I mean, it has to be done. It has to be done the right way in cooperation with our indigenous communities. Mm-hmm. We are building a road through their land. Uh, so they definitely should have a say in what's happening. They definitely should be involved in projects. They definitely should have jobs related to these projects. So that's something that we're, we're, uh, we're committed to um, in terms of uh, truth and reconciliation, but also in terms of working with indigenous, indigenous communities as our partners and not uh, as uh, uh, another obstacle to build a road where th- these are our partners. These mm-hmm. are people that uh, we want to, to share the prosperity with and make sure that these projects do get done because uh, they're really game changers for the North, especially in terms of, uh, of lithium and other uh, oh, yeah. rare, rare metals. Uh, I mean, especially uh, with uh, electric cars becoming uh, more and more common, uh, mm-hmm. definitely something that, uh, that should be done. Uh, but in that line as well, I find that something that's not been done enough is uh, uh, we also need industry that's, that's not resource-based. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we have, we have all the materials here yet, you know, nothing gets built here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our materials get shipped to Southern Ontario and yeah. that's where all the factories are. And I, and I get like the proximity to the U S border, but I mean, you could assemble things here and, and send them out. I mean, Absolutely. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. 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 In terms of like, especially uh, lithium uh, battery plants. I mean, we, we have the graphite uh, near Hearst. We have the metal and the, uh, the steel, I mean, in Sault Ste. Marie. We have the lithium uh, and the ring of fire. And we have all the refining capabilities in Sudbury. I mean, it, it can be done in the north. It, it would also probably be a lot uh, safer to transport these materials uh, a shorter distance. Yeah, but, yes. uh, you know, so it's stuff that might uh, need to be looked at a bit more. Uh, we need to diversify because obviously uh, I feel that... Uh, Natural resources are very important. Uh, a lot of people depend on these natural resource jobs, but we also need to look further. Uh, our population has not grown much, and this is not just in Meshkegwak, James Bay. This is in most northern writings. The population growth is not there. The economic growth is not uh, uh, compatible with the rest of the province. Mm-hmm. So going forward, we definitely need a, a lot more investments and to be a bit more creative and to allow uh, a lot more innovation in terms of the uh, the industries and, and the jobs that are created uh, up north. Uh, uh, we've uh, promised uh, to create more green jobs, but up here in the north, uh, I can't think of a better place to have uh, a lot more of, the, that, uh, of those green industry jobs. And mm-hmm. we, we have we have the room. We have uh, we have uh, the. Uh, I was going to say you uh, have the room. You've got the space uh, to build, right? We, like, we have the space. Yeah, you know. we have the space. We're not going to be building over, you know, the the most fertile farmland in in, in, the, in the country. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. we. Uh, we, we, we have the room, we have, uh, and, and we have the, uh, the willingness to, to get it done. So uh, most definitely uh, anything that uh, increases jobs and also diversifies our economy is something that, uh, that I would really enjoy seeing uh, happen for the North. Mm-hmm. Now this, I know this is not in your writing, uh, but it's something that I'm sure concerns you very much as a Franco-Ontarian, but the situation at Laurentian University Um can you speak to that in any way? Is there anything uh, the government can do? Because, I mean, there were some very 
key programs that served both the indigenous indigenous community. I think there was an indigenous social work program there that that's gone. And I think it was like, that was unique in the world. Uh, lots of programs for Francophones up there. There were people that were, you know, and, and if you could expand to the question of an autonomous French language university, because I mean, what Canada is like closing in on 155, like how, and we yeah. still don't like how long, how much longer are we going to wait? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely willing to, to speak to that. Uh, I am a uh, Laurentian alumni. Mm-hmm. So I, I did my, uh, my uh, bachelor's uh, degree in uh, Laurentian history and political science. And I also did my uh, education degree at Laurentian as well okay. uh, on the French side. But uh, so, yeah, it's definitely near and dear to my heart um, in terms of uh, French language programs. I mean, we're, we're struggling for uh, French language teachers and a lot of, uh, um, especially in the GTA and a lot of uh, Southern Ontario mm-hmm. uh, schools just can't get enough uh, French teachers, uh, especially in immersion or in, uh, in French first language schools. We're, we're relying a lot on recruiting from, uh, Quebec and uh, and outside uh, uh, of Canada, actually, with uh, a lot of uh, of new uh, new Canadians or new uh, permanent residents uh, filling the void, but we're 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 playing catch up in, in regards uh, to that, and you know just to show how things are not uh, really in in tone with what we need, the um, secondary um, teachers options so the uh, option three they call it for intermediate senior uh, French language ch- teacher training was one of the programs that was axed. So we're struggling to get people to teach in French language high schools. And that's one of the programs that was chosen to be, to be axed. Uh, and, and in terms of French programs, so many French programs were, were cut critical programs, program courses that I took myself. Um, I, I also have a, a connection to the uh, um, Sudbury Italian community. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be the biggest club at Laurentian. Uh, you know, we put on pass nights, all kinds of, of great events, uh, plays, etc. So I was a member of the, of the club. I also took uh, Italian courses. Uh, please don't ask me to speak. It's been a while, so <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't want to be put on the spot in that regard. But uh, yeah, like, and, and that whole program has was, was taken away, and it's really a program that was very unique to the to the culture and to the the makeup of of uh, Sudbury because Sudbury does have a strong uh, uh, Italian roots and, and a strong mm-hmm. Italian community. Isn't there a large term- Finnish community there too? Uh, Finnish, yeah, yeah. There, there are some, uh, yeah, some Finnish people uh, um, that I've met. Uh, as, yeah, Ukrainian people as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, most definitely uh, from all kinds of European backgrounds. Um, another big program from Laurentian that really uh, upset me. I think it's it's in the, the way of being corrected was the uh, the midwife program. Yes, oh, that was yeah, the other yeah. one. Yes, it was the uh, the only francophone midwife program outside of Quebec and Canada. Uh, the only one like it in the north that also served indigenous Canadians as well. Yep. Uh, when when my daughter was born uh, in 2020, um, you know we had a midwife and it, and it, it was just uh, a lifesaver for us, a, a lifeline because we, you know we we had our daughter in the hospital during the pandemic. Uh, we were far from family at the time, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. just great to have someone check in uh, both pre-birth and also post-birth come check with us, come knock on the door, uh, provide us with advice. And, and I mean, it's, it's really a service that's lacking. It's very difficult to find a midwife in, in Northern Ontario. There's not a, uh, very many in my writing mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's, it's tough. And I, and I feel that everyone should have the choice to have that experience if, if it's, uh, 
if that's what they want. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it might not be for everyone, but uh, I do highly recommend it. And it's, it's unfortunate that that happened. Uh, in terms of a French uh, independent university, obviously I, I've supported, uh, we have the University de Hearst, mm-hmm. which is uh, um, going that route right now. Uh, university of Sudbury, which is also uh, exploring that route. And we have uh, University d'Ontario Francais in, uh, in Toronto that's also exploring that route. And I mean, the population justifies it. The French population in Ontario is about equivalent to the English population in uh, Quebec. Mm-hmm. And there are English language Quebec universities, uh, including oh, yes. very old and established English language universities. So it, it, it's possible. I mean, uh, it's it's definitely something that's long overdue, as you mentioned. And it's something I do support and I feel needs a bit of uh, that extra kick from government to, uh, to get going. Uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of help, a little bit more of creativity uh, with our programs, but uh, most definitely, it's it's something that we should explore in the future. And now it's time for a break. Hey, kids! If you like your food like you like your eager beaver news, spicy and bringing on the heat, then let us introduce you to the Pepper Master. Based in Rigaud, Quebec, Pepper Master Greg Brooks sources local ingredients, grows and roasts 100% of his own peppers to make at least 130 different varieties of single pepper mashes, all-purpose pepper sauces, cooking and grilling sauces, condiments and hot sweets, infusions and rubs. From mild to medium to hot to very hot to crazy hot to are you freaking kidding me? I'll be breathing dragon fire. Each bottle is carefully crafted to bring just the right amount of heat to your feast. All of the Pepper Master's sauces are gluten-free, peanut-free, slow fair trade, made with organic vinegars and sugars, are reduced in sea salt, have no capsaicin extract, preservatives, colors, added flavors, or GMOs. All products are latex-free and feature green printing. Try their best-selling jerk curry or sticky ginger garlic grilling sauce. Their spiced umami three-pack featuring barbecue sauce A, maple umami, and bacon reaper madness. Or if, if variety is the spice of life, pick up a jewels of fire and ice sampler of 16 sauces, one for every heat tolerance. And because only a true pepper master can take the heat away, don't forget to try the original pepper antidote, an amazing pure concoction of heavy cream and dark maple syrup that works as a salve, a heat reducer on your tongue, or doubles as a yummy treat. Mr. Grizzly, uh, I'm sure you've gotten your samples of sauces. Have you tried any? Oh, yes. Uh, I tried the jerk chicken. I liked that quite a bit. Uh, I used it in a couple of, uh, actually, not jerk chicken recipes, but some chicken that I cooked up one night. And there was another one I tried. It was a scotch bonnet sauce that I decided I wanted to have a little bit of spicy pasta that night, you know? Mm-hmm. So I put a couple, like l- the tiniest little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I, I wanted to be able to walk the next day. <laughs> <laughs> but they were good, right? Oh, very good. Absolutely. Without question, absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. We tried uh, the sticky ginger garlic over here, and uh, uh, and uh, oh yeah, we can't get enough of it for like, slathering it on everything. Well, I like the spicy. I put the spicy on my eggs every morning. Hmm. <laughs> well, kids, you should try it too. To find out more and to get yours today, go to www.peppermaster.com. The Peppermaster. Hot pepper sauces made from farm fresh ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Now, uh, this might be getting a little controversial on my part, and I know that we don't have enough teachers, but 
the rules in Ontario are that you can go to full French school if you've had a parent who also went to full French school, right? Their language birthrights. We're in 2022 now. We're knowing more than one language is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Why are we not opening French education, full French, not just immersion, to anyone who wants to be bilingual now? Wouldn't that right. prove us with an economic edge? Or why aren't we doing the opposite? If your home life's in English, you go to school in French. And if your home life's in French, you go to school in English. And that way, you're in one generation, we have a bilingual. Like, and everybody can speak two languages and we maximize. I mean, you don't lose anything. You have more access to more culture, more opportunities. You can do business with more countries around the world. There's, there's absolutely no downside. Why are we still limiting language to birthright now? Right. And uh, yeah, so the the uh, droit status, uh, which is accorded that if you have one uh, grandparent who, who went to, to French school, that you have a right to, that can't be taken away. Or if you're um, a, uh, a French family from uh, from a different province, et cetera, that's also, uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Um, now that's just the, the rule that uh, it can be refused if, if schools are full. Uh, a lot of schools are not doing that, are not following that. They're allowing uh, citizens from, uh, or not citizens, but I mean, uh, speakers who are not native speakers to join the schools because they're seeing that, hey, why are we refusing people? We want to grow our brand. We want more people in our schools. Yeah. Uh, for instance, I did work in a school in Southern Ontario where we had uh, a very strong um, Egyptian population at our school. And mm-hmm. Egypt is not a traditional French country, mm-hmm. but uh, the local community really, caught on that hey there's some great schools in french if we send our kids early because once you're in then you're in they can't remove you uh, later on in grades and i mean they're they were an excellent part of our student body and and very much involved and it really gave a bit more uh, uh, flavor to our school which was which was great but our school was very multicultural and very accepting in terms of of different backgrounds um but uh yeah and uh, even up north uh, i've seen schools where they uh, will actually have uh uh kindergarten classes geared towards uh, Anglophone families to try and uh, get them caught up uh, so that they can uh, immerse themselves in, in, uh, in uh, French schools. Uh, I'm also for uh, French immersion. I have worked as a French immersion teacher mm-hmm. in the past. We need more of those programs. Um, my preference is on uh, single track schools, uh, just because I feel like uh, uh, the dual track model does work in some cases, but not everyone is really living uh, in French when half the school is following a program, the other half isn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, those need to be accessible. There, there needs to not be any barriers. Uh, I've experienced it in the past where um, those emerging schools would not get the funding for spec ed. Mm. So if people had any particular needs, oh, it was, oh, well, go to the English school, which isn't right. I mean, no, I, no. We, we shouldn't have these barriers. It, it should be accessible to everyone who wants it. And, and like you mentioned, it's, it's, such a, uh, it's such an advantage to have, uh, to be bilingual or trilingual even, mm-hmm. uh, if possible. And I mean, we should be encouraging it. A lot of European countries have multiple school uh, languages oh, yes. taught yeah. in school. And I mean, it, it really makes them more competitive in terms of business and, and, and every uh, really uh, department in terms of uh, uh, their ability to be able to, uh, to deal with other countries and, and, uh, and uh, it really gives them a competitive advantage. So yeah, most definitely. Uh, but yeah, I agree that. Uh, the barriers are a bit uh, outdated, and we mm-hmm. should probably look at uh, uh, look at look at this more closely to, to be able to open up uh, a lot more access and, and make it less of a um, of a class thing, right? Or, or uh, uh, yeah, make it less uh, more more equal, more fair, more accessible to everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
And I mean, French schools are excellent. Uh, I am a French language teacher uh, from a French school. I'm a, I'm a bit biased, but I think we. we I went to French school programs. all my life. Yeah. From, pre- from pre K through university, all the way through. Fantastic education. Military kid, I didn't get that opportunity because we lived in remote parts of uh, Canada where there was, I mean, well, I lived in Newfoundland in the 70s. Large energies by barely spoke English, I tell you this now. And that's not a slight towards any of the Newfoundlanders who might be listening. I still have a lot of friends and family in Newfoundland, and I love that place. So I just want to I want to say that, that's all. <laughs> yes, but anybody who lived there in the 70s <laughs> knows what I'm talking about. Trying to learn French in, in Newfoundland in the 70s was almost impossible. You know, it's, it's just a simple fat, um, a fact. It's, a, it's an undeniable fact. Right. Uh, these barriers need to be removed. I mean, Agreed. and if you look at French language schools, I mean, we're, we're doing the same quality English that kids in English schools are doing. You know, we're reading Shakespeare. We're reading mm-hmm. the, the, the more complex uh, texts that, uh, that, are, uh, that are really key in English schools. So we're doing the French at a, at a higher level and we're doing the English at a comparable level. Mm-hmm. So really our students do uh, leave school uh, fully bilingual and mm-hmm. I, I'm proud to have been a product of that. And I mean, and, and yourself Me as well. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I wish. Uh, yeah. And, and, and like you mentioned, it's, there should be less barriers. Most definitely. It should be open to more people as a proud Franco Ontarian. I do want to share my culture with more people. And, mm-hmm. and if people want to learn my language and want to, to live my culture, I mean, I welcome them with open arms mm-hmm. because you know, the Franco, the definition of Franco Ontarian is, uh, multicultural where, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have our old, uh, history of, of being of, uh, a French descent of, of, uh, you know, through Quebec and, and before that through France, but really what being a Franco-Ontarian is, is, is someone who lives in French, who mm-hmm. lives French culture. It doesn't matter where you're from, be it Africa or the Caribbean mm-hmm. or Europe mm-hmm. uh, or New Brunswick, et cetera. If you're, if you're in Ontario, you're a French language speaker, you're part of the, you're part of the group. You're yep. a Franco-Ontarian. If you wish to be a Franco-Ontarian, uh, if you want to identify that way, uh, I don't, uh, I don't believe in being a gatekeeper to, to the mm-hmm. term because it, it right should be open you. to everyone. I'm right with you. You don't need fool. <laughs> more clowns we are, the more we laugh. Um, <laughs> Matthew, uh, we're nearing uh, the end of our time, uh, but uh, we're, you know, if you've got a, a message that you want to leave our listeners with, uh, people in your writing, if you want to talk to them directly, um, please, uh, the floor is yours. Yeah. So I just want to, you know, if anyone in my writing is listening, uh, just, uh, just remember that like, uh, we do have less population in our writing, but your vote counts. We, we elect as many MP, MPPs as everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're one of 124 writings. Uh, so, you know, your, your voice is, is amplified here. We, this writing was created to give us more of a voice, uh, get out there and vote. I mean, obviously I prefer you voting for, for me, but I mean, Get out there and vote. Let's mm-hmm. justify uh, all the na- let's prove to all the naysayers that our writing should exist. That our writing is special. That we deserve to have representation. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, don't uh, you know if you can vote for, if you vote for the conservatives, we're just going to keep going backwards. Yeah, yeah. If you vote for the NDP, we're just going to stay still and, and let the world pass us by. If you want to move forward, vote for the liberals. Vote for me. And we're going to bring real positive change to the North, and, and I can't wait to get to it. So please uh, vote Liberal in the upcoming election. I think that was very well done. That was excellent. That was excellent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you, to the point, sir. Outstanding. Bravo. Uh, Matthew, 
uh, thank you very much for joining us here at the Beaver Lodge. Uh, we appreciate your company. Uh, Kits, um, like he says, vote. Yeah. Vote. I would say vote often and vote, but you can only vote once. Can't it. It's not American <laughs> but, Idol. But vote, bring friends, <laughs> you know, uh, tell two friends, you know, if there's anything in this election that you're passionate about, share it with a couple of friends, find out if it pushes a button for them. But, you know, that's just, this is your moment, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, take your power and, you know, express what you're, you're, what you want. So, uh, Mr. Grizzly, any impressions? Uh, I think this is a, a, a gentleman who will make a very outstanding uh, candidate, obviously, but I think he'd make a great MPP, and honestly, for, for, for his writing, because uh, he's firmly behind the party platform. That, And you know, I talked about this when yes. it was it, like, I thought that this platform is an absolute game changer for Ontarians. It is. It really is. And here's a young man who, who completely supports it and wants to make a difference for the people, his constituents in his riding. He believes in the platform. He believes in what they're doing. I mean, we, you know, each uh, uh, candidate we've interviewed thus far, well, I guess it's two or three now. Uh, two, and we have a third coming up. Right. Sorry. Yes. Um, just really dedicated and passionate and, and, and I think probably because we've all lived in the province of Ontario for the last few years, saw the suffering that mm. we went through, the cuts to social programs, uh, the the lack of accountability, uh, the guy who goes skidooing on the weekends when, you know, when the city of Ottawa is being occupied. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, <sighs> we all saw what the cons did. In, in Ontario over the last four years. And we all got conned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the candidates we've spoken to uh, uh, want to put an end to that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I always recommend, you know, I always make a point of, you know, first wanting to elect someone that actually likes the people that they're going to represent, regardless of party. And like, that's to, important. To me, that's the, you know, how you speak about other people, how, you know, how you are involved. This seems, you can never go wrong. Yes, sometimes we vote strategically. Sometimes you vote for the party. Mm-hmm. You want to win the election like this. But you can never go wrong voting for a very good constituency MP. Oh, but this is the thing, right? And, 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 and the, the understanding that, that not enough... Or MPP in this case. MPP, yes. But the, the, the thing that not enough people understand, and, and this is gentleman is an educator and he taught civics, would, his, his students would know we don't elect a premier just like we don't elect a prime minister. Mm-hmm. We elect an MP or an MPP in our riding, so we vote for the best candidate. That's a a lesson that needs to be taught to everybody, right? (laughs) Because we currently have somebody from the Conservative Party of Canada who wants to say he's running for Prime Minister, which, as we all know, isn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that, you know, in 2022, I have to give civics lessons to people in their 50s like me, it's really troubling. So here's a young man again an educator, dedicated, uh, a firefighter, you know, like, this is what I want to see in check, politics. Check, check, yeah, check. this is what I want to see, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think that uh, the people of that uh, electoral district could do way worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, Kits, uh, we hope that you enjoyed uh, this interview because we loved bringing it to you. 
Um, please check us out on Google, uh, Apple Podcast, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Spotify. We're everywhere now. The Dean uh, Blundell Network. Yes, Find yes, there. Absolutely. Uh, if you really, really love us and don't want to miss an episode whatsoever, you can subscribe by joining our podcast page. That's pod podcast pod page pod page yes sorry podpage.com <laughs> slash the true north eager beaver with a hyphen between each word and if you really 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 love us and you really want to show it we work for tips so go to our coffee page where you will find our tip jar that's ko-fi.com slash eager beaver all in small letters and well buy a coffee for mr grizzly here or a mug of hot chocolate for me because well you are what you drink so, <laughs> chocolate over here. Well, kids, uh, that's the end of our episode. Thank you again to our sponsors, the Pepper Masters, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Uh, all our music is from Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Our artwork is by Pete Jarvis. I am doing this without a script, so I think I've Do, remembered yeah, I everything. I think you got it all. I think you got it all. Yeah. <laughs> if I've missed out on anything, I am sorry to whoever I missed. Uh, but uh, this is the first episode that you and I have done together in studio. We've always been on Zoom. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. We did we did a show with Dean, but that was not that was not that was not ours. That was not ours. Yeah. We were just guests. So, so. you're the yeah. It was a, this was our this was our inaugural in studio with a interview subject. So yeah, cool. Yeah. So well, kids, we hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Eh? Bye. Hey there, Mr. Grizzly. Hey, Mr. Beaver, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Hey, uh, did you get something in the mail lately? Yes, um, Miss V Mysteries. I yeah, I did too. Awesome bedside reading. Yes. Um, for those who don't know, the Miss V Mysteries is an LGBTQ plus cozy mystery series written by Delilah Knight. Miss V is 60, trans, and classy, sassy, and a bit smart-assy. From her kitten heels to her chic bob, Miss V is a lady through and through. When her late aunt's lawyer is found murdered, bum -bum, and clutching V's favorite Chanel jacket, <gasps> she is immediately arrested. Bum -bum. Can she find the real killer before the local law puts her away for good? Will she be forced to trade 50s rock and roll for jailhouse blues? Do prisons even have a happy hour? Well, none of the ones I've been in. Wait, what? What? There's a story there. No. We'll talk about that after the ad. Miss V and the Letras Lawyer is the first book in a humorous cozy mystery series from by ace author Delilah Knight. On sale now wherever ebooks are sold. Paperback copies are also available or call your local library and ask them to get it in. Signed copies available at www.corvidmoonpublishing.com. That's www.corvidmoonpublishing, all in one word, .com. The Miss V Mysteries. You need to be reading it. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. 
Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.